my family is a Muslim. It's just that I asked for the divorce because the marriage didn't work out. Cambridge Wireless was never about me. Cambridge Wireless was about promoting the members. I've always been passionate about promoting women. You are probably two of the female engineers there. It's really hard and you're young and they're all, you know, middle-aged men who know their stuff and they have their own group of friends. It is really hard. But after cancer, my life is different. Once you've had cancer, you thought, okay, there is another part to life. There's another perspective. CEO and founder of the hugely successful Cambridge Wireless, for which you grew the business from 70 companies in 2007 to over 425 companies by 2014. Now, currently Director of Communications for the Invested Investor Project, which works towards and advocates a strong understanding between startup entrepreneurs and their early stage investors. And also, you are Innovation and Ambassador to the Bradfield Centre. Lovely to have you here, Sarai Jones. Lovely to be here. Thank you for your giving me this opportunity. Well, it's always great to talk to lovely women like you and you've done such a lot. Now, you were born in Malaysia and then you spent six years in the States where you completed your Bachelor of Science in Education and Master of Science in English Education. Now, we're here to talk about you, your career and a little bit about your life and how you got there. But I'd like to know what made you go from Malaysia, which I think is a beautiful country, to the States. Yep, Malaysia is really nice, sunny, hot, a good place for <laughs> holiday. I was born there. Education, I suppose why I went to the States is because I was very much inspired by my late mother. At that time, in that, that climate, that year, it was very much, you know, my, a male-dominated society. Mum was married to my dad when she was 14 and dad was about 15 years older. 14? Yep. That's that's very young. But in those days, those was accepted, mm. you know. Uh, yes, it's in today's <laughs> age, it's young. But because of that, she told me from a very, very young age that the only way forward, Soraya, mind you, I'm the only girl in the family, the only way forward is to educate yourself. That's the only way to get out of the stigma. How old were you when you went to the States from I, Malaysia? I was 17. Wow, that even that's very young, isn't it? To that go is from... very young. But we went with a group of friends, and Dad yeah. was, you know, Dad was very happy for me to go. But it was my mom. She was disheartened at seeing her only girl leaving, you know, for the states. But she also sacrificed, knowing that, you know, this is good for me. This is the way to be the future for me. Now, you, as you said, you spent six years in the United States and then you lectured at the National University of Malaysia for several years before pursuing your doctoral programme in education at the University of Cambridge. That's quite a lot to do. What, what drove you to do all this stuff? Now, your mother said, you need to move on, you need to do this. But what drove you from doing quite a lot? I mean, I don't think your mother ever imagined you'd be doing what you have been doing. No, I don't think so. In fact, if she's alive today, I'm sure, I hope she will be very proud of me as I have always been indebted to her in terms of 
where I am today, what I am today is because of her. After six years in the States, I went back to Malaysia. I thought, yeah, I'll be in the academic world, be a lecturer. So I thought, okay, that's, that's all good. Then I thought it was going to end up in academia. Then I really need to do a PhD. And because, you know, I've done six years in the States, then the only thing that makes sense is to try uh, the UK. And I thought, oh, I'll try Cambridge, you know. Oh, wow, they accepted me too. But the motivation behind that, it happened at a stage in my life where, again, is culturally rooted, is I was married. Uh, it was both families know each other. So he was educated in Canada. I was educated in the States. But this was this was a marriage made in Malaysia? Is yes. that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So this is when you returned to yeah. Malaysia for the, your National University of Malaysia for an education there, when you lectured there. And yeah. then your marriage happened yeah. then. And unfortunately, things didn't work out. Six months later, I was divorced. And one of the things, again, was uh, my family's a Muslim. It's just that I asked for the divorce because the marriage didn't work out. So a result of that, even my own family was embarrassed by the fact that I did that. But I stuck to what I believe in. I thought there's no trust in that relationship anymore. It's time to ask for a divorce. And when I did that, I thought it's also time then for me to continue my education, to do my PhD. And so in 1990, I believe, I arrived in Cambridge Magdalen College to do my PhD. The drive was always there, but I am a little surprised that you went back to Malaysia and got married, considering you'd had all that fantastic <laughs> education. But I suppose your roots are there. Yes. And it was part of the moment that you thought it was right to do. Yes. I thought, you know, I've done my six years educate and I wanted to go back to my family in Malaysia. I never thought in my life that I would be in a different country. And here I am years later to what, what year? 2019. 19. I'm in Cambridge. I'm a British <laughs> citizen here. Your family took it quite hard as well. But you got through it, which is the most amazing thing. We got through thing. it and we've, I've patched things up with the family. I'm glad to They're hear. all, you know, we're all happy now. I mean, obviously, both my parents have passed away, but my, my two brothers are there and friends. So you've come to Cambridge. You are now doctoral programme in education at the university. And then after that, I've just been reading your list of, of achievements is endless, absolutely endless, working at the Business Development Manager for Cambridge Training and Development Limited, now Tribal PS, PLC. Yep. And you have directed a number of innovative postgraduate and leadership programmes for business development and bidding for large EU tenders as part of a consortium approach to bidding. I think you have a passion for mentoring. This is part of your course and agenda. But you obviously have done lots of other things, ma mainly business and development. Is that right? Mainly business development, but also in a way that wanting to help people rather than just sell. One of the things I love about my previous job and the Cambridge Wireless job was the idea that of course, I'm doing business development. There's no doubt about that. But I, I like to think that when I do it, I'm also helping people. The reason Cambridge Wireless worked was because Cambridge Wireless was never about me. Cambridge Wireless was about promoting the members. Cambridge Wireless was promoting, helping the SIG champions. We have volunteers from the industry who become the champions of their industry group forums. 
So when I started, we started only with four special interest groups, forums, you know, like IoT, short range, mobile device. And by the time I left, it was 20 special interest groups. And it was around 80 of them volunteers, but they love doing what they do. And I love helping them. And as a result of that, the membership you know, uh, well, it went up to 425 yes, yes. from 70. That is quite an amazing thing. And that's you being, you know, being founder and CEO. What an amazing thing to have achieved. And there are more things that you've achieved as well. Now, in that time from coming to Cambridge, you remarried. Yep. <laughs> like I said, I never planned to live in Cambridge or in the UK. I love the UK. I love Cambridge, but I never planned it. See, this is what I say to young entrepreneurs. My own daughter, you can plan all you like, but things happened. I quote something, but you can't quite remember where it came from here, but I would still love it. And you're going to have this anyway. You said recently, don't think life is over for you just because you fall at the first time. Now, there have been knocks in all our lives. And one in particular, obviously, that until very recently, you had breast cancer. Yep. How did that affect your whole working life and, and your family life? I know that's probably a big question, but from a working point of view, how did you cope with that? It's just not me. It's also my husband at the same time. And the way we cope with well, it... Well, when you say your husband, your husband he, also had cancer He had cancer. Time. Right. At the same time, he had kidney cancer and I had breast cancer. We're quite public about that, only because the mission here, at least, is to tell people that that's life after cancer. Fingers crossed, everything will be okay. And we're leading, hopefully, normal lives now. And in terms of coping, you just have to take time away. But just because you've had cancer or just because you've fallen in life, you know, in other parts of your life or you fail in your job, it is never the end of the world. You just move on. You transcend the boundaries, just the way I transcended the cultural barriers that I came from. And you just move on and move up, hopefully. We see how well women are doing now in business and that, but there is always another side to it. And and if you can, I've spoken to so many women who have said that when I was growing up, I wish I'd seen myself so that I could have some a role model to work with. And so when I talk to people like you, Soraya, and Linda talks to people from We're Making Waves, it may think so worthwhile because we get to see what everybody has done. And yes, there are ups and downs, but we get there. And even if we don't and we try something out, that's okay as well. It is okay to fail. In yeah. fact, you have to fail in order to be able to succeed. Now, women's networking, this is something for you. This is something that you rather strive to do, don't you? Yep. Uh, Especially at the Bradfield Centre. I am passionate uh, as a person, even at in Cambridge Wireless days and after Cambridge Wireless, I've always been passionate about promoting women, uh, women entrepreneurs, women founders, young women professional who aspire to move up in their career ladder. I just, I suppose it's because, again, it's going back to that legacy of my mom, you know, because she said that there's hope that you can move up, you can move out, you can, you know, uh, build yourself up. And so because of that, I want to help other women. We have more and more female engineers turning up, more and more female special interest group champions. And in the Bradfield Centre, I've 
It is a centre to promote innovation, to help entrepreneurship, to stimulate innovation. And obviously, it's all entrepreneurs, but I have a passion for women. And if we can do more to help increase the number of female founders or female entrepreneurs or help more women leaders to grow to network, I think networking is so important. How do you define networking? What, how would you define that in the sense that someone says, are you networking? A lot of people do know what that means, but some people get put off by the word networking themselves. It is literally just talking to people, isn't it? It is. But if you are in a technical engineering event where you are probably two of the female engineers there, it is really hard and you're young and they're all, you know, middle-aged men who know their stuff and they have their own group of friends. It is really hard uh, and, and quite intimidating for a young female engineer to want to network. So they've got to be, you know, we, we need to promote to help that. Mm. Sometimes amongst themselves, but sometimes, you know, don't ever network with women all the time, although that's equally, it has its own value and... Uh, um, benefits, but make sure to network with everyone. Um, Would you say that people should go with somebody sometimes? Does that help if you go with another woman to come in so you're not finding the whole thing so overwhelming that you're actually going in with a friend or a colleague? Uh, yeah, if you if you are a bit nervous about going networking in the early stage, because I was thinking about myself, whereas but I'm different. I'll just go and introduce <laughs> You're myself. Different. Hi, I'm Australia. Who are you? <laughs> you know? Well, you are different. That's exactly right. You are. But there are others who will be. I've seen at events where they'll just be on their own drinking the coffee. And I usually will go to them and say, hello, hi, how are you, you know, and try. And then what I do and what I really love doing in my job currently at the Bradfield Centre and in Cambridge Wireless before is to introduce people. Yes. I love connecting people. I find great pleasure. You know, I said, right, you're a startup. You need to meet this company. You know, maybe the Google was at the event. Let's meet. You two should talk. And I find great pleasure and satisfaction that maybe some collaboration will come out of it because of that introduction. And that's it. I've done my job. I think the most important thing about networking is you need to pluck the courage. And once you've done it, it gets easier each time. Yeah. Nobody is going to run away just because you approach them and ask, introduce yourself. I have read somewhere that women are going for these interviews, but they don't want to be picked because they're the only woman. Now, that's something, yep. now that's something else that I only discovered recently. How, how do you react to that? It is very demoralising for a woman. And I've had situations like that in the past where I actually was quite blunt. I said, if you're inviting me to be on the board because I'm a woman, I'm dark-skinned, then the answer is No. But if you're asking for me to help in specific areas and please tell me what they are and I'll tell you if I can help, then yes, I'm happy to help. What has been your biggest challenge? I think before cancer, you know, I could say there are lots of many challenges in my life work-wise, you know, growing a company from a one-man, one-woman band to a team of people and growing the team, choosing the right team and growing the business, trying to find out, you know, what the right strategies for all those business challenges and working long hours trying to grow, all that. But after cancer, 
my life is different. Once you've had cancer, you thought, okay, there is another part to life. There's another perspective. So mm-hmm. now I'm very, very conscious that I, I love what I'm doing. And um, I try to do the things that I enjoy doing. But my health is important. Mm-hmm. Work-life balance is important. And, you know, it's sad that it has to take cancer for me and my husband to realise that. So, Sarah, what's what are you most proud of? What's been the most, thing, you know, I should think having a daughter and getting married, that's probably putting words in your mouth there. But what have else have you been most proud of in your life? Oh, my goodness. I am proud that, oh, that's a tough question. What am I proud of? I'm proud of Cambridge Wireless, what I have achieved. It's not much, it's not the next big thing, but it has grown from a small networking organisation to you know, a very successful cluster that does a lot of activities in the comms and technology sector. And yes, I have learned a lot. I am very proud of what is happening, what what it has grown into. And in the mornings when you wake up, what drives you? What is the most things that drive you to get up in the morning? What gives you that energy? I was thinking about this the other day. The kind of work I do all involves on in areas where I'm very passionate about. It's about entrepreneurship. It's about mentoring. It's about helping entrepreneurs. It's about investors, but linking them up to potential startups. I will continue doing this kind of things because that gives meaning. It's helping people. So I'm really proud that... I have taken a, lit, a small part in helping to push women forward. Mm. So what makes me wake up for is this kind of sim- meaningful things and wanting to do a little good every day. I suppose I would really call you a serial networker. You absolutely <laughs> love talking. It sounds like everybody comes to you. You make a point of introducing people and there's nothing like someone like you coming into a meeting and literally just making the place a warmer place because you, you absolutely want to help everybody. That's the impression I get from you. I need to ask you, what's your favourite emoji? Oh. And now you said you really love social media. So I want to know if you use emojis. I do it sometimes <laughs> on my personal Twitter page. <laughs> not on the ones well, no, not I on use. business. Yeah, okay, not on enough. business. Okay, well, okay. But I love the wink with the smile. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I like that and too. And the one that claps. You know? And the one that oh, claps. I'm happy, clap. I bet you've got other ones as well. It's all going to come to you now, but... Sarai Jones, it's been fantastic to have you here for Women Making Waves. You've done it was lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much for coming in today. Well, thank you for having me here. Mm-hmm.